Welcome to Joe Picks, an NFL team. In this podcast, Joe, abandoned by his San Diego Chargers, is evaluating all 32 NFL teams to find out who he should root for next season. This week, we start our doubleheader by going to the Music City, where we'll see if the Tennessee Titans need a miracle to get through Joe's rankings and move on to the Sweet 16. Jeff, hit it. Dan, welcome back. Yeah, I've I've traveled to Hawaii for Superfan Tony's wedding with many, oh, so many. Our music Gloria was out there. Other, a lot of other super fans. A lot of a lot of support for the podcast. It was very nice, very sunny, very boozy. Now, did Jeff write a theme song for Tony's wedding? He did not. Oh, Jeff, oh, poor Jeff. He gets to Hawaii. They go up some mountain, he gets altitude sickness going up the mountain, and then he gets some sort of severe ear infection where he has like a really high fever. And because everybody else is partying, he needs to go to urgent care to to deal with it. But on the way, he had to drop his girlfriend off at the bar where everybody was drinking on his way to urgent care to deal with his like... Why punish her? Fever. Why punish her for his ear infection? <laughs> I know, um, but he eventually he made it in time. The night before the wedding, it was a little touch and go. He didn't come to the rehearsal, which I think, <laughs> I think all of the uh, groomsmen were standing like three feet in the wrong place. But he made it. He <laughs> stayed upright through the entire wedding. It was it was uh, he he brought it when it counted. So Jeff is on the mend. We don't need to like have a fundraiser for him or anything. No, he's on the mend. Last I saw him, he was good, but he certainly did not have the energy to record any new uh, any new music for the wedding. Now let me ask you this: Did the wedding reception have a DJ or a live band? It had a DJ, not a live band. But the wedding and itself, I think, had a had a string orchestra little thing going on. Was there any? Did anyone request the DJ to play our theme song for people to dance to at the wedding? Oh man, I should have. It's a missed I missed opportunity, Dan. Come on. I know. I blew it. Well, you know, it's, it wasn't really my day. And I'll tell you, both the, the father of the bride and the father of the groom stole the show when they were in the middle of some sort of <laughs> insane dance-off. So it, it, it was not the right time for the Joe Picks theme song. Just let them have their day. <laughs> we'll have our day. And our day. Well, we have a long night ahead of us now as we have to go through these two blockbuster teams, Joe. And... We're starting with the Tennessee Titans, and you know, let's 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 get through this. What's the drink? What are we drinking, Dan? We are drinking none other than a Jack and Coke. Dan, are you drinking with me tonight? I am. I've been. All right. I have not had an alcoholic beverage since coming back from my week long vacation, but I'm back at it. So, Dan, let me tell you about Jack and Coke and why I picked it. So, Jack Daniel's whiskey is a Tennessee whiskey. And it's like the quintessential Tennessee whiskey. So here's what's interesting. So to be called a Tennessee whiskey, this is actually regulated by the state of Tennessee. So 
Jack Daniels whiskey has existed in Lynchburg, Tennessee since 1875, which I don't know if that makes it one of the oldest whiskeys, but that's a really long time. Like I was looking it up for perspective. The city of Seattle was founded in 1851. When Jack Daniels whiskey was founded, Seattle was a 24 year old city. That's like insane. Yeah. But like during the civil war, people would drink whiskey as like anesthetic. So. Right, but that there's like any brand name that exists for that long is pretty fucking incredible. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So anyway. Good for Jack Daniels. Yeah. Yeah, good for them. Totally. So (laughs) this is my favorite part, though. So to be a Tennessee whiskey, you have to um, meet certain requirements about the barrel, about length of time, about whatever, whatever. Okay. The, The state legislature passed in 2013 basically requirements that describe the exact process that Jack Daniels does. So not only is Jack Daniels a Tennessee whiskey, but it's like one of a very, very few Tennessee whiskeys and a few other whiskeys were grandfathered in. But basically the new rule, Jack, there will not be a new Tennessee whiskey that isn't Jack Daniels. Yeah. You're, the name has to rhyme with smack Spaniels. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like they literally, pr- they describe their process to a T. So uh, Jack Daniels is this like quintessential Tennessee drink. And then, the thing that I really like about Jack and Coke that I think other like brands would love this, but it's got to be the only or one of a few drinks where you actually order the brand of liquor is in the drink that you order. And not just the brand of the liquor, but the brand of the mixer too. If you go up and order a Jack and Coke and the bar only has Pepsi, they have to tell you that. Yeah. If you order a Jack and Coke and they only have some other well whiskey, they have to tell you that. You're actually ordering two brand names. What else could a corporation want? Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Because I, to be perfectly honest, my Jack and Coke has makers in it because I don't have any Jack Daniels. I don't feel like buying any. Right, but, but you're not really drinking a Jack and Coke. It's true. It's true. And I wouldn't claim to be. No. But I did I did get an official Coca-Cola, though, for you. So, <laughs> what? I, actually, actually, I'm drinking Jack and Pepsi. So, no. we're, all, <laughs> so we're both doing it a little bit wrong. But... Sometimes what I like is I'll see commercials for for liquor brands and you can tell that they're trying to like crib like this like this like magical formula that Jack Daniels has has found that they'll be like order a captain and soda or you know yeah, like yeah, like yeah. you know where, where they're just trying to like coin a phrase my favorite was um all these like high class people in a bar going I'll have a disarona on the rocks like, yeah, yeah. go in and ask for a fucking disarona um so it's like Jack has this amazing thing, which, I mean, you know that they must just love that this drink is like a very easy, simple thing to order in a bar that you can get anywhere in America. Yeah. Hats off to Jack Daniels. Great marketing. They're still, I mean, they still have commercials on, but yeah, I guess their commercials are all about the brand. They don't need, they don't need to try to invent it. They just got to maintain it. Right. Well, that's the drink we're drinking, Dan. Well, I'm back on, back on the drink train. Enjoy your bourbon and Coke and I'll enjoy my Jack and Pepsi. Yeah. I'm enjoying it. It's great. Anyways, moving right along to the poll, which is also alcohol related. So, oh yeah, I I didn't even look at this poll last week or two weeks ago or however long ago it was. The poll question was, which is the worst usual to get every time at a bar? A white Russian or a big guy and a little guy? The big guy and the little guy being a Coors Light and a shot of tequila in a first time merging of the poll and the mailbag. Kudos to Superfan Ben, knowing that to get his mailbag read first, he just has to give his opinion about the poll. Superfan Ben says he gives his vote and his explanation. I got a vote for the white Russian being worse. 
I can't imagine having that much Baileys or heavy cream or even milk <laughs> night after night. At least a cold Coors Light goes down easy enough and chases a shot sufficiently. My buddy and I used to frequent a bar in Koreatown, Los Angeles, the HMS Bounty, where we became regulars as well. And our jam became a can of Tecate, not even a drop pour, and a double shot of Cuddy Sark whiskey, <laughs> oh, which is man. pretty much That's a brutal. step up from rubbing alcohol. <laughs> Only $5, but we were broke at the time. Reluctantly, we always mumbled a yes when asked, the usual. So, Joe, I feel your pain. It's a double-edged sword being somebody with the usual sometimes. Now, he has uh, has felt your pain. And he's cast his lot with you. I believe you said the way Russian was worse. Mm-hmm. What did the people say? Well, huge tons of votes on this one came right down to the wire. But winning by exactly one vote was the white Russian... Fifty-three percent to forty-seven percent. The the uh, VIP fan said that was a worse drink. So it, it's clearly split. I, I think you know you nailed the poll question. Where really right down the middle almost. Did it uh, win the popular vote or? Uh, it, it won both the popular vote and the uh, VIP <laughs> okay. electoral college. Uh, only fans where they come from cities with NFL teams, their vote counts. Everybody else, <laughs> you're out. Well, That's all right, Dan. I think I'm three for three in the polls so far, by the way. Yeah. I can't remember what I voted for. It was so long ago. Just looking at it, they both seem pretty bad. I'm not yeah. sure which is worse. Yeah. Well, I think a can of Tecate and a double of uh, Cuddy Sark is actually worse than both of those. No, definitely. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> that, that needs no debate. All right. So that's the poll question for this week. We'll figure out the poll question for next time, maybe somewhere in this episode, maybe sometime in the next one. Uh, but we have to move along to the fan mail. And, you know, last time the fan mail was so great because nobody sent in anything. And we could really quickly go through it. And this week, everything changed. And everybody sent in everything. So I just have so many emails from so many people. So I'm not even going to tell you how to send an email. You, The people <laughs> who send in emails, you already know. And other people, you know, maybe I'll say at some point in the episode. But just figure it out. Anyways, for starters. So this... Email, this is a little uh, email series here from Superfan Bez. Hey, guys, as someone with... uh, This is about the Steelers, if I did mention that. From Superfan Bez. Hey, guys, as somebody with family roots in Sheffield, UK, it would be easy to assume that the Steelers would be my team of choice. Why? Sheffield and Pittsburgh are twinned as both are called the Steel City. However, (sighs) any team that has six Super Bowl wins and two free wins from the Browns per year doesn't deserve my support. Although I like Mike Tomlin as coach and Antonio Brown as a player, they have terrible jerseys and a morally reprehensible QB, not to mention yep. that awful towel thing. Move on, Joe. Nothing to see here. Then email followed three days later by, oh, crap. My email missed the podcast. Did you guys record before I sent it in? Yes, we did. <laughs> we did record before you sent it in. And Joe, you did not take his feedback because the, uh, well, we, no spoilers for anybody who hasn't listened to it. But, but that feedback, I mean, could have changed everything. It could have. Because I think he made a fair point that even though it looks good on paper, you know, well, I guess the feedback still could come up when, when you evaluate them in the Sweet 16. Wait, wait, wait. Is this a guy that's a Sheffield Wednesday fan? Or is this a different person who mentioned the UK city of Sheffield? It's probably the same guy. Okay. I, he sent I in say, emails before. I don't, I, at she- this point, I don't remember what that was Our Sheffield on. fandom is just through the room. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> could be. <laughs> Could be huge. We'll, we'll give them a vote in the uh, electoral college. I mean, they're they're twin cities to Pittsburgh. Yeah, Sheffield, not Paris. All right, Joe. 
brace yourself. This is a new super fan who's even given himself Uh-oh. a nickname who sent in so many words. He might have sent in more words of email in, in this, between these episodes than any super fan has ever sent in combined. Okay. Our new super fan, Riley, who has nicknamed himself the diabetic. Is Riley diabetic? Riley, I don't know. He's Riley, quote, I mean, this is his thing. Riley, quote, the diabetic. In none of his emails does he explain the nickname. All right. And All I've right. abridged his emails, but I'm still going still gonna to give him his due for all the effort he's put in. I saw your post on the Vikings sub and decided I'd listen. However, I didn't want to jump right in to the Vikings one, so I've listened to each of them one by one from the beginning. I just finished a trip to Cedar Rapids, Iowa, and I'm about halfway through the Saints episode, so almost to the Vikes. Here are my four quick opinions. Great podcast. Listen to it lots. Well, thank you. Number two, love the personality. It's your show, not general. Great. These are like Donald Trump tweets here. What the hell is the six for the Packers not being too good for? They're one at best in that category. Only category I'd argue should be retroactively changed. We'll get into a little bit of that more in a second. And number four, love the all-encompassing aspect of the podcast. Let's see. That's good. Three compliments. One, he buries the little criticism. And he sandwiched it. Yeah, no, he really sandwiched it nicely. I like it. I like it. I feel great. Even, Even about the constructive criticism. Yeah. And now, Joe... He also expanded on number three, and I don't know if you've got something for it, but let's uh, let's take a step into Packer Corner. This is going to be a little unusual because it's going to be a little anti-Packer rant, but I, I, I believe it. it still qualifies. So it is it is comfortable here in Packer Corner. Let's come in, open the All doors. Right. It's Packer Corner. <laughs> Green Bay loves them some Joe. It's Packer Corner, pandering to cheeseheads who write to the show. <laughs> Jeff. Brought to you by Milwaukee's Best. <laughs> oh, my God. Yep. We have a Packer Corner theme song. I love yep, it. Yep. I love so it. So Jeff did not, I mean, he didn't come up with anything for the wedding, but once he recovered. Oh, he my can, God. He can't just send me that today. So Dan, great timing. Dan, toss some extra points to the Saints. Change it up. Let's do it. All right. It's totally worth it. Wow. Okay. So, Jeff, thank you for that. Thank you, Music Gloria, Jeff. Now, here is back to Riley the Diabetic in Packer Corner. This is said sponsored by Swaki's Best. The one rating I think is absolute trash was the Packer ranking of not too good or too bad. Fucking Rob says in the episode how the division isn't a contest, no one's good, yada, yada. But earlier he talked about how the Packers aren't too good. What? Why? Literally, the reasons you had for the Patriots fan being so conceited and uptight and mighty about everything, which is pretty true, is nearly the same reason you gave the Packers a six. Oh, we've had so much talent the last 20 years and we've won only two Super Bowls. Wow, woe is us. I can't stand the fact that we aren't as good as we could be if we had a little more luck. Fucking please. Yeah, you only won two Super Bowls in 20 years or 21. And you want to complain? Jiminy Christmas. And the Packers would have won five or eight Super Bowls with Belichick? I understand they have more wins, but at best they'd have three. Maybe. That's kind of pedantic, but I digress there. The point of the section is not to bandwagon a good team. I give Bobbert, by the way, he's renamed Rob Bobbert for the rest of his rant. (laughs) Just keep that going in there. 
I give Bobbert props for being a fan since 1980, if my math's right, and dealing with the pre-90s Packers. But if you join the Packers fans right now, you would be labeled nothing but a bandwagoner among several fans who are indiscernibly bandwagon since the mid-90s. You can tell those types of fans because they're like Bobbert, but much more annoying, and will intentionally start an argument with you about your favorite team just so they can pull out, but look at all those Super Bowls that we have that you don't argument. Well, I mean, I think, I think it's a good point that maybe six is a little too high. But what I would argue is I think that there is, I think Sean made a very good argument that really you should be thinking about have they won Super Bowls in this like current team era and Green Bay only winning one with this current team and this current quarterback. I, I just feel like there is something to that in that, in that they're really not too good. And I think, I mean, to, to go back, like what we've really said this category is about, I get like the, the one hand is to not be jumping on a bandwagon team. The other hand is like, would it be really exciting if they won a Super Bowl? And I just feel like, and Dan, I don't know if you agree or not, but like, I feel like there is some more excitement to be wrung out of this current team. So I think a six, I mean, maybe you could argue it should be a five or a four, but we're talking about like shades here. Yeah. I mean, I, after reading his rant, I do agree. It is crazy to actually think two Super Bowls in 20 years. Like, that's insane. I mean, yeah. that's really yeah. fucking good. Yeah. So a six probably is too much. It, it probably yeah. should be like a four I mean, or a three. Right. I mean, right. But I, I do think there's a big gap between the Patriots, though, like the team that won last year and has won, you know, whatever, gone to so many Super Bowls and is always the best. And, you know, the pack and everybody else. Yeah. The other thing is I think like some of it too is the way that they've won too, where, I mean, they tend to have like slumps during their season and then go on these runs or they're like winning with Hail Marys during the game. So it's not like, I mean, they, they haven't like the Patriots are going 16 and 0 some seasons where there's yeah. never a doubt that they're going to be the Super Bowl winning team. So like granted, like the Patriots are a very high standard for this and I think the diabetic's right. It maybe should be, uh, you know, four, three and a half, four, maybe five. But, you know, we're not talking about a huge variation from where I was. And I think they'd still get moved on either way. But it's a fair criticism. Yep. All right. Well, let's close out Packer Corner. It's Packer Packer Corner. Corner. (laughs) Green Bay loves them some Joe. It's Packer Corner. Pandering to cheeseheads who write to the show. Brought to you by Milwaukee's Best. <laughs> All right. So now, good. then the diabetic sent in a very long email where he went through every single ranking you did for the Vikings and whether he agreed or disagreed with you. And I'm not even getting into that because it's too many. But basically, he was very sad that the Vikings didn't move on, but I think he generally agreed with the gist of your rankings. I think he was just disappointed, though he did really hammer home just how heartbreaking, how heart-crushingly depressing it has been to be a Vikings fan, is that they've had like good teams, and they've really, yeah. really gotten unlucky. But Dan, I told you, look, there is now no team that I want more to get brought back to life by Karsten's zombie yeah. team vote. The Vikings were, I mean, they've been the most welcoming team other than Houston, but they've definitely been the most welcoming team that didn't make it through to the next round. 
Yeah. He did specifically mention the zombie thing. So, you know, maybe that's in play. But at the end of his email, he's sort of talking about, well, maybe this was a third email. I don't even know. But he did something which was interesting. He's actually been to quite a few away games for the Vikings and has his own reviews of the places ah, he's been. Nice. Nice. So three of them are teams we've done. And one of them is, in fact, the very team we're doing in this episode. So here you go. Very prescient information. So Colts. Yeah, don't pick them. I've been in Indiana for four years now, starting in college in 2013. Indiana is pretty mediocre as a state. Also, the Colts fans are awful. I've been to a road game in a few places, all for the Vikings. Indianapolis sucked, every part of it. I went with some Indy fans and my brother, and even with Indy fans by us, it was awful. Empty beer cans thrown at us. Some not empty beer cans thrown at us. Man, I thought I'd come to school here and at least have a second team, but this immediately made me love the Texans, who are still a great alternate team for me one day. Indy, not moving on, is a great choice. Boy, I don't know why the Texans, because it was a Vikings game, but whatever. I can't figure it out. No, because they're the Colts' rivals. That's why. Oh, oh, I see what you're saying. You and the diabetic are just simpatico. I get him. I get him. Cincinnati was great. The fans around us were nice, and even though we got thrashed by like 30 points, I still had a fun time, and again, very friendly, very great fans. And his point, the Colts, he said, also beat the Vikings, too. So it was like there was like no reason for the the Colts fans to be uh, lame. He said Green Bay was a little better than expected. Yeah, outside the stadium was a lot of hoopla and whatever, you know, because he's obviously like wearing his Vikings jersey and somebody like gave him the finger or whatever. But inside, though, the fans were very nice with some good ribbing, but it was actually very fun to be by. Overall, not a bad spot. Okay, you know, that's why I, I like a little, you know, you want to be able to go to your rival stadium with your yeah. gear on and not worry get about... Get some banter, but not necessarily get the shit kicked out of you. Yeah, I mean, like the Dodgers-Giants rivalry in both stadiums, both in San Francisco and LA, they've had like fans like beaten to, and like going to the hospital. You know, that's, that's not cool. And the Titans, finally... This episode, our first bit of Titans information, the Titans are up and coming and generally a good team and a likable team. Tennessee really deserves a better following, but college football kind of takes over down there. And if Joe's picks the Titans to cheer for, I would absolutely agree. Really, I like all the AFC South teams except for the Colts now, so I approve of the Titans for sure. (laughs) I guess I'll mention my trip down there, which happened this last September. Not a single Titans fan was mean to my brother and I, and I enjoyed the game a lot. The enjoyment for us... And the problem for Tennessee was that by the end of the game, there were more Vikings fans than Titans fans in the stadium. My brother and I even started singing Skull Vikings, which I assume must be the Vikings cheer or something, after the second defensive TD, and it was pretty loud. The Titans need more fans, but I still condone picking them. It sounds like going to a Charger game where there's more, more of the opposing team's fans there by the end. Yeah, although it did sound like if the Vikings are scoring their second defensive TD, that's probably yeah, that, probably that may have been a good. blowout. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so moving from one super fan to the next, a newly anointed super fan, you know, Riley the diabetic, he's in by sending so many emails. Super fan Jay. Now I'm going to slightly abridge this, but Jay recently, you know, Jay, we know, big Falcons fan. He said he recently went to New Orleans because his he and his friend wanted to gamble. And he, hold on, hold on. Is Jay's is Jay's message addressed to us or to Jeff? Well, I'm gonna read the part. Okay, <laughs> I'm just gonna tell the general story. Yeah, there's a, there's something addressed to Jeff, but it's not gonna go in the direction you want, Joe. Just spoiler alert. He says he went to New Orleans 
because he and his friend wanted to gamble, which he's, he was much like me. He said he spent a lot of time in the Harris Casino. Then he insulted the intelligence of New Orleans residents. And then he talked about all of the violence in New Orleans, which included some like horrible videotape mugging that happened like a couple weeks ago where a guy was like beaten very severely and people videotaped and it was bad. So that's that is what it is. But then he says, he continues, I currently am listening to the Colts episode and I must say, I feel like Jeff and I are drifting apart. I was almost ready to buy the man a beer. I had thought that maybe one day I could marry his sister and we could host a podcast of our own. I I was almost ready to call him bro. But alas, I feel as though that dream is dead. I mean, who knew that Jeff was such a late guy? Has he ever been to a Garangerfjord? I haven't either, but I thought that would be hilarious to hear Dan try to pronounce. But seriously, I think you and Jay might be uh, going closer. Jay's. Two more points to the Falcons. Okay. <laughs> but seriously, Jeff, why the hostility? You were doing such a good job of hiding your true colors, but it seems to me your team has rubbed off on you after all, and that is yeah. a special kind of stink that is almost impossible to remove. Also, just an FYI to Jeff, there are three letters in my name. Three is the number that comes after two. You should be able to work that out unless my earlier estimation of Ains fans' counting abilities were too generous. That was in the above gambling portion where he insulted the average intelligence of the New Orleans resident. Maybe it's for the best that you stick with the music, bro. Okay, this is becoming too toxic. We were raised to be kind down here in the South, so I'll leave it simply with a bless your heart, Jeff. Keep it real, bros, and always remember, fuck the Saints, super fan, Jay. Your move, Jeff. <laughs> Let's hear it. Let's hear it. But but I but you know, the Lake Fjord, maybe maybe if you're a Lake person, you're a Saints fan. If you're a Fjord person, you're a Falcons fan. I mean, that may that may be what it comes down to in the end. Frankly, I don't like all this bitterness. This is this is getting a little too much animosity. I think I, I don't. I, I feel like I'm in the middle of this, and I, I don't want to be. You know, keep it nice, guys. Come on. Look, Jeff and Jay have to work things out. You know, sometimes things have to get real before you can have a breakthrough, Dan. Yeah. All right. Hopefully this is our rock bottom between the two. Yeah, I was hanging out with Jeff all week. Jeff's a good guy. I mean, I'm sure if I were broing out with Jay in the casino, we would also have a great time. But, you know, I I feel like it can be worked out. Now, Jay wasn't done yet, although he was done. But in his stream of consciousness email, which is sort of a Jay classic, he said, wow, I was about to press send and you guys started talking about horses, which, believe it or not, is in my professional world. I mean... (laughs) We were asking Who for someone. Guessed. We were asking for an equine studies person. So Let's he go. has run it down for us. A colt is a young male horse that still has its balls and is less than five years old. The term colt okay. is for a male and filly is for a female are most often used in the racing world. So you can assume that a colt, especially of the Indiana variety, is a thoroughbred racehorse. A bronco, I think we know we know what a bronco is. We were right about this. An untrained horse that bucks a lot can be male or female says, I don't do rodeo stuff. Yeah, you don't have to correct us if we're not wrong. Yeah. He says a charger, he has no idea, but it's a European war horse. Again, you know, oh, oh yeah. actually, he did provide some extra information here. He said, warm-blooded horses from Europe tend to be bigger and more powerful than what we have over here. Mm. Wow, warm blood? Wow. And he says, out of the three, I think it is safe to assume a charger would win the fight. A pony is a horse that measures at under 14.2 hands. <laughs> 14.2 hands at their withers. <laughs> Boy, well, I mean, we're deep like in sh- the professional world here. 
Really, it is just a short horse that often has a Napoleon complex. Ponies and horses can make babies. Okay, so I guess they must be the same species. So there you go. That concludes his email. Any breakthroughs there in the equine section, equine corner? Well, but then what's a yeah? But then what's a miniature horse? I thought there was a difference between a pony and a miniature horse. He just says it's a short horse. What do you call a male horse that doesn't have his balls? Hmm, it's a good point. I don't know. Yeah, and then which sounds like the setup to a really bad joke, but um, <laughs> all right, someone needs to write yeah. the punchline for that. Yeah, um, yeah, I, th- that that's super helpful. That's great. All right. Now, before we get in, before we close out the mailbag of un-Titans-related emails and start to really open the book on the Titans, Joe, do we have any fan feedback from our past episodes? Dan, we have some great feedback from the Colts episode. Oh, wow. Um, so let me tell you about it. So first of all... What about the Steelers? Are we going to do that the next episode? We'll do the Steelers the next episode. That, oh, okay. That, needs its own segment. Okay. Uh the the Colts now was a really um warm welcome but but I interestingly and, and good response for the size of that of that Reddit community but had a lot of people. So normally Dan, most people they comment on like the idea of me of me becoming a fan of the team and you could have 50, 60 whatever comments none of whom have actually listened to the podcast. They're commenting on my my becoming a fan for the team. Yeah. The Colts, it seemed like half the people or more listened to the podcast there and actually gave feedback. So it was less feedback, but it was actually better feedback. So um, there's one comment that I liked in particular. It says, hey, I just finished listening to the podcast and that's saying something for someone who really doesn't like podcasts. I thought you guys were pretty funny, even though there were some cringy moments. All right. Uh, I came out with the same impression I usually get when talking to anybody about Indiana or Indianapolis. People don't know shit about it. I've been to Thailand and Israel and never has anyone known what the fuck I was talking about when I said I was from Indiana. They were like, you're from India? Yeah. A five six Jewish white guy speaking perfect English is from India. First thing I want to say is whoever made the list of top things to do in Indiana is an idiot. The Children's Museum should be first and then Banker's Life. Okay, I'm just going to pause here to say people on this forum fucking love the Children's Museum. Wow. It is. It was pretty high up, though. I thought it was first. People love it. People love it. Okay, this guy agrees. Indianapolis 500 is totally shitty. Um, Also wanted us to note it's actually a very large city, 14th largest city in population, 16th in land area. So there's actually just a lot to do because it's a big city. Third, fuck Mike Pence. Then he has a whole bunch of football stuff, which I'm going to ignore because we don't talk that much about football, but um, did note that they have a new GM. So people are very excited about Chris Ballard, the new GM. So we didn't mention mm-hmm. that. Probably should have. He then, uh, the last thing I'm going to mention. How would we have possibly mentioned that, Joe? No, neither of us know shit about that. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, that was that was his big mistake. Uh, last thing is he did recommend a better Colts drink, which our Colts drink was terrible. I just want to read this out loud because it actually sounds like a really good drink. Uh, one and a half ounces of bourbon whiskey, five ounces of ginger ale, and one lemon peel layer over ice. It's called a horse's neck cocktail. Oh, it sounds delicious. Last thing I'll just say, PPS, I'm going to tell you something. A lot of people have told me you sound like Jonah Hill. Wow. I think Jonah Hill sounds fine. I think that's a compliment. Um, The other thing is there was significant confusion about when we recorded the podcast. 
people got confused by the Trump Pence joke we kept making about us recording it back in 2016. I think what happened is maybe people fast forwarded through the beginning and then just got really confused by our ongoing joke that maybe didn't land with some people. But biggest takeaway, they don't like Mike Pence. They really like the Children's Museum. (laughs) That's good. That's uh, admirable. It is true. I just realized this. Wow, look at that. Indianapolis number 14, right next to them. I'm what, like sister city, San Francisco, number 13. You know, a little better, but right next door. I like that. Yeah, go go to Indianapolis. All right. Any any more fan feedback? Does that close the book on the Colts? Uh, yeah, that's it for the Colts. No, you're not changing any scores. You're not pu- putting them into the maybe column. I'll say the feedback made me more endeared to the Colts than I was during the episode. They were very friendly and like very positive feedback, even though I didn't pick the team, but it's not changing the score. All right. Well, the Colts at the bottom will remain at the bottom. Sorry. Unless they come back as a zombie team. Could happen. Second, second to the bottom. Thank you. Second to the bottom. Anyways, now let's open the book on the Tennessee Titans, a book which hopefully for our listeners' sake, will be a short book that reaches a good outcome for everybody. Hopefully it's more of a pamphlet. Yeah, <laughs> a, a novella. <laughs> now, the two emails, mailbag back open, superfan Bez. For some reason, I'm starting to like the Titans from afar. Mariota would have been great in San Diego. Sorry, I mean LA. And could have been the next great Chargers QB. The team seemed to be hitting home runs in recent drafts. Mariota, Conklin... And signing some good veterans, Murray Decker. So are a team on the rise, but all of that is offset by the ugly jersey. However, I know nothing about Tennessee, so I'm looking forward to your TripAdvisor section. Hope it has a botanical garden. Not enough places have one <laughs> nowadays. Smiley face. Regards, Bez. Yeah, I agree with all that. Now, I will note for you guys at home, you can just go to the TripAdvisor section yourself. It's going to have far Dan. more information. That is that is much less fun than hearing us analyze the TripAdvisor section. Okay. And then now my email of the week. Ding, 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 ding. Superfan Sean has figured out a way to my heart, which is to do sections of the research for me. So Superfan Sean <laughs> says... Been a few weeks, but I passed my summer statistics course, and I'll most likely be graduating with a human resources degree in the fall. Oh, that's good. I, Congratulations, I only Sean. thought there was a 8 in 10 chance of him passing that. I know. <laughs> <laughs> the mode was expectation to pass, but, you know, there were a lot of uh, negative outcomes there. That was why he wasn't wah, emailing wah. in. Yeah, just, just, <laughs> could just move along. <laughs> Okay. So he says he's done some research on the Bills and the Titans that might be fun to use. Oh, you're goddamn right it's fun because then I don't have to do it. So we're adding in a new section and he's taken over the whole fantasy section where he's not only just doing what I was doing, looking the past, but he's making fantasy projections for the next season based on last season and his unique super fan knowledge. I love it. We're just every episode we're outsourcing more and more yeah. work. This is Sorry. great. Somebody wants to do that whole trip advisor section. Just feel anyone, free. Anyone who wants to do the scoring, please yeah, just let me yeah. know. <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> Actually, I'm not going to lie. Multiple people have done the scoring. They just do it after we've recorded the podcast. That's right. That's right. Okay. But his first new section is the off-season transactions of note. So Titans, what have they done? They've released a wave cornerback, Jason McCourty. They have claimed or re-signed 
quarterback Matt Castle, cornerback Logan Ryan, and wide receiver Eric Decker. So there you go. And his uh, final thing, I'm going to read this only because he's doing sections for me because this is a bizarre shout-out. The Titans have potential. Also worth noting, their subreddit is amazing. Shout-out to Matt Neely 50 If you're listening to this, you're one of the funniest guys in the entire Reddit community. And even though I'm a Packers fan, I would love to see what shit you've got cooking in your sub. So if you are Matt Neely 50 and you're listening to this, you probably just got really freaked out. So good for you. (laughs) Anyways, that's it. So look at that. No more Jason McCourty, but Eric Decker. That could be hot. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a potential fantasy pickup there. Yeah, well, we'll get to that in the fantasy section. But Tony's draft status, n- Tony did not send any in. Tony, too busy. What the fuck was Tony doing this week? Yeah, getting married on his mini moon, from my understanding of what he's doing right now. I hope you're happy, Mrs. Tony, Yeah, ruining our podcast. Yeah. Do Miss- you really need to go on a honeymoon or mini moon if you already got married in Hawaii? Like, can you just stay there? Yeah, th- I mean, I think that was the mini moon. And then the real honeymoon oh. comes later. Okay, great. Yeah. Also, she likes being shouted out on the podcast, so congratulations to Tony and Pam. All right. Number one, don't win a team that is too good or too bad. The Tennessee Titans have Super Bowl odds of 50 to 1. They have won zero past Super Bowls. Their over and under in wins is 8.5. So win percentage, Joe. Top third, middle third, bottom third. Middle third. Playoff wins. Bottom third. Made the playoffs. Middle third. All right, Joe. You are way overly optimistic. They are, you got one out of three. They're in the bottom third for all of them. They are, now, Joe, you should also know that there's only one team left in the top third and win percentage. So, I mean, you did say middle third, so that was good. But we've also eaten up a lot of the middle third two teams, too. But this is a bottom third team. Their win percentage is 45.6, which puts them 22nd. Uh, so, right towards the you know, top of the bottom third, but still in the bottom third. Playoff win zero, of course, in the bottom third. And they made the playoffs two times, which puts them 24th, which is still the top of the bottom third, but bottom third nonetheless. Uh, so, yeah, that's their basic scoop. Now, the Tennessee Titans, though, unlike some other teams that are sort of in the dregs like this. So the last time they've actually made the playoffs was in 2008. So they made the playoffs in 2007 to 2008 and have missed the playoffs every year since. But they are a team on the rise, going 3-13 and in 2015 and then 9-7 and last year. Of course, with an over-under this year of 8.5, they're expected to be an above 500 team. And as we covered last week in the Colts, we know they have an exactly equal chance to win the division. Joe, what do you think about this team? Yeah, I mean, they're not, so they're certainly not too good. Like, we can dispense with that. Uh, the question of are they too bad? I mean, the thing that is somewhat heartening about them is one, they are on the upswing. And, you know, when you're a fan of a team, you can always tell when you're sort of in a decline. Like, I would argue the Chargers right now are in a decline. They're yeah. not bad, but they're on like the downswing of their current run of players and all that, right? And it's really fun when you're on the rise, especially because there's like young players that maybe you're sort of hip to earlier than the rest of the league. And you're like, oh shit, this guy's going to be really big. Like I remember when LT was like young and obviously he he was a pretty high draft pick. So it wasn't like he was unknown, but um, 
I remember watching me like this guy's really, really good before the rest of the league figured out how amazing he was. And it's like, there's such an excitement around that. So I think I like that it's a team on, on the upswing. And the other thing I like is that it's, it's an accessible division. A team that is uh, predicted uh, to have 8.5 wins in the AFC East is like, well, you might as well pack it in now. Um, yeah, I or, mean, we'll get to that next episode. The Bills right. are not going to have right. a very good chance of winning their division. Right, but you take that same team and put them in a division like the AFC South, and it's like, oh, well, you know, they could, if they are a game and a half better than expected, they're probably going to make the playoffs. Um, and that, yeah, they can I mean, make the playoffs. A funny with eight thing wins. that I'll note about your point is that the, both the Bills and the Titans actually have the exact same Super Bowl odds. They're both 50 to 1, but the Bills have a very low chance of winning their division and a very low chance of making the playoffs because of their division. Whereas, right. as we're talking about the Titans, they have a huge chance just because their division is so competitive. Right. So I think that this team is actually like hitting hitting a little bit of a sweet spot with maybe being a little too bad and a little too much opportunity for frustration. But I'm going to say 7 out of 10. 7 out of 10, yeah. Because I think their Super Bowl odds are like 50 to 1 this year. But if like their Super Bowl odds were like 15 to 1 next year, I wouldn't be shocked. Like if they had a right. really good season. Right, right. But anyways, good score. Now number two, what do you think about the division? Well, we were just here. Last time we did it, uh, we visited here for the Colts. When we came here for the Colts, you gave them a four. When we came here for the Texans, you gave the Texans a one and a half. Now, I think you upgraded the Colts a little bit just because now that we've got the betting odds, we see that the Colts, Texans, and Titans, the three teams that we have done, all have an equal 30% chance of winning the division. And, um, you know, the Jags still have a, a puncher's chance at 10%. So this is almost certainly the most, like, up in the air division where the favorite only has a 30% chance of winning. So I think you boosted the Colts a little bit for that. And uh, what do you think about it for the Titans? Yeah, I don't think my thinking is is any different. It's a division that is a hodgepodge division. That's a bunch of teams that were sort of, it feels like they were all the leftovers when the other uh, divisions were settled. But nice reference. that being said, <laughs> I know, I knew you'd like that. That being said, uh, I like the fact that it's very competitive. So I'm going to stick with the four out of 10. Four out of 10, very fair score. Number three, does the head coach mean a minimum threshold of competence? So who is the head coach? Well, he's Mike Malarkey. Roto World last year had him at 26, which was dead last. Ooh. And then this year, they moved him up to 24. So there you go. Nine and seven season. He's, he's on the upswing too. Mike Malarkey exceeded expectations. Tennessee's first winning season, 20 levered, featured a 5-2 and two record against playoff teams. Malarkey, he of the... 370 career winning percentage appeared to actually be onto something zigging with the run while the rest of the league continued to zag with the pass cool but they won't be hanging that banner at nissan stadium marky has to do it again something his resume suggests isn't possible the last time the 55 year old marky went nine and seven he followed it up with a five and eleven campaign and subsequent resignation and although marky's 2016 offensive approach was successful it was hardly exotic there will be no Act 2 in 2017, just more of the same vanilla, simplistic stuff. It might work if Marcus Mariota can take another step forward, avoiding serious lower body injuries for the first time in three NFL seasons. But it could and likely will fail spectacularly if he doesn't. <laughs> Ouch. So there you go. Roto World, not a huge fan of Mike Malarkey, it seems. but Yeah, I mean, it doesn't sound like they moved him up two spots so much as 
they just moved others below him. Yeah, that's possible. I mean, they probably <laughs> um, begrudgingly had to move him out of last after going nine and seven, but yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean it. It it honestly, you know, reminds me of a lot of coaches that the Chargers have had over the years. Where I mean, first of all, we've talked about the hatred I have for the uh, coach that just keeps their job year after year despite mediocrity. But then also, it's that like sweet spot of like oh, they're not really bad enough to fire because we don't know what else is out there but they're not good either. And they're just super boring. But um, this is not, not a coach that I would be excited to be rooting for though. Maybe not like wholly incompetent, but let's just say a four out of 10. Four out of 10. Oof. That's a big upgrade over uh Roto world score, but that's okay. You're put the, you're uh, putting your own independent thought in there. Number four, do the players get in trouble with the law? Now, normally this is my least favorite one to research, but boy, I had a little fun time here with the uh, the Tennessee Titans. So I'm not even going to ask you. Overall, they're in the bottom third with 36 incidents. But this is so fun. They have they, they might have the record. <laughs> they have one player who appeared on the crime blotter seven times. Wow. So, and it's not a keep to leave either. It's not a keep to leave. It's worse than a keep to leave. Well, maybe not worse, but seven times. It's amazing. Do you know, can you guess? I mean, if you guess who this player is, this is going to like blow my mind. So he does not currently play on the Titans anymore, but all seven times he was on the crime blotter was when he was a member of the Titans. Ooh, offense or defense? Tell me that. Offense. Wide receiver. Right. I, I have no idea. I have no clue. Okay. So the crime highlight, the player T.Y. spotlight. Hilton. No, T.Y. Hilton. How dare you? How dare you? I, have, I, I literally have no idea. Kenny Britt. So, oh, Kenny Britt. Okay. Kenny Britt. January 2010. Pulled over in New Jersey for three outstanding traffic warrants. 8 2010. Pulled over in Nashville for windows in a Camaro tinted too dark, then cited for misdemeanor driving without a valid license. 2 2011. Accused of theft by deception after allegedly not paying two bail bonds companies in New Jersey on behalf of his friend. 4 2011. Accused of eluding police with a car chase in his hometown of Bayonne. New Jersey, speeding and obstruction. 6-2011, accused of resisting arrest in New Jersey after police suspected him of trying to hide a marijuana cigar. The same month, turned himself in for two outstanding warrants to say he provided inaccurate information on his driver's license applications. And then, in 7 of 2012, charged with drunken driving after trying to pass through a security gate at Fort Campbell Army Post in Kentucky. And... What? what was he doing drunk on an army base? I don't know. What is this guy up to? <laughs> and what of all this? <laughs> Seven times on the crime blotter. But you Nothing. know, you know what I'll say. What I'll say though, in Kenny Britt's defense, is a lot of his arrests are like compounding issues with being arrested. Like, yeah, he he has outstanding warrants. He gets arrested. He tints his window so he doesn't get caught by the police. He gets arrested. He resists arrest he gets arrested i mean you know i'm not i'm not excusing it but it's like the underlying i mean other than drunk driving which is not great um on the army base you don't want to do that on the of all places you know you have to like deal with people in in a position of authority uh he beyond that and i guess the the would you call it a marijuana cigar there's nothing he did that really was against the law other than trying to avoid being arrested. Yeah. It's funny. As I was reading through him, I was like, I was like, a lot of this is like driving while black. And it's like, yeah. 
you know, like the marijuana cigar thing. It's like, oh, the police suspected him. Now, these are like, I just used all of the uh, USA Today little um, summaries. I didn't actually go investigate them because there's too many. But, you know, <laughs> it, you're right. A lot of it is like, it seems like minor problems are just compound. But, you know, to, to the, the point is, the the crime blotter is an equal opportunity thing for all players. And somehow totally. players <laughs> manage not to get on it seven times. And but anyways, how do the Titans react to this? Seven seven times on the crime butter. Though to your point, nothing like horrendously serious, but still, I mean, nothing. Nothing. And so the NFL eventually gives him a one game suspension, and what happens? They're like, Uh, oh, Kenny Britt is fine with the one game suspension because he was coming off a knee injury anyway. And it was the first game of the season, the Titans are like yeah, we would have, like, he was only going to play a few snaps anyway, so it's like, whatever. So the Titans clearly no care or regard for the fact that Kenny Britt just over and over again is getting in trouble with the law. And look, to your point, after maybe the third time, just be like, hey, Kenny, like, driving's not for you. Like, let's just get you a personal driver. and Let's like, get you a driver. You're a millionaire. Let's pay all your old bail bonds. Let's do it. Yeah. Any outstanding warrant, we're going to hire you a lawyer. We're going to deal with those outstanding warrants. Yeah, yeah. We'll get somebody to fill out your driver's license application for you, you know? <laughs> Let's untint those windows. Yeah. Drive with the hat on. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, poor, poor. Wait, so wh- where is Kenny Britt now? He's not on the team anymore? So Kenny Britt, boy, just this great, great transition. Went from the Titans to the Rams and then from the Rams to the Browns. So he's currently a member of the Cleveland Browns. Those those law abiding Browns, upstanding citizens, every single just one. All right, Rams to the Browns. I mean, that's the thing. I just don't think a lot of teams. It, I'm sure other teams are like, eh, this guy gets in trouble too much. I'm just not even worth it. And he really, it's not like the numbers he put up. You know, they were like, they were like, oh, Kenny Britt's so good. He's like the mo- the star of our offense. It was like the year he was a star. He had like 45 catches and like 700 yards. It wasn't like he was amazing. I mean, I'm sure he was an important part of the offense, but, you know. Yeah, my knowledge of, of of Kenny Britt is only as a fantasy player that you sort of, like, begrudgingly start when you have two wide receivers on a bye week. Yeah, yeah. And that's what I'm sure he is this year. All right. Oh, so I have to, so I have to rank the team. Okay, so, yeah, I mean, look, they're in the bottom third, though it's obviously to the point of the Steelers podcast last week, Ben Roethlisberger might not appear at all in the crime book. Bo- blotter but is a terrible person so it's not the no, end no. all be all he, he appeared in the crime blotter right but like a one time for him is the same as one time for kenny Britt. i guess is my point like yeah 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 like it's not an even thing so uh let, let's just say a three out of ten three out of ten yeah i mean most of these are more funny than anything i mean not right. the like drunk driving but the but army base that's a bad place to drink and drive yeah well it says army post i don't even know what it is whatever i'm sure some of our super fans will correct us as they're cringing right now but anyways, whatever. He's in there seven times. It's a good score. The team clearly didn't give a shit. Number five. Can't root for a team that Rob roots for. What does Rob think about these Tennessee Titans? Well, let me tell you. Or should I, I call him Bobbert? Okay, so first of all, in the ongoing saga of us misinterpreting Rob, he wants to correct. He says, I appreciate Dan actually being a bigger man about it, even though if you both fucked it up again, I was comparing the Vikes to the Bears as pack rivals when I said both were smug for no reason. But Minnesota doesn't have a cool city to fall back on. All right, Rob. Stop relitigating. It's over. I'm, I'm so, going to get out of the analysis business. 
Rob ranks the Titans at his, as his fourth favorite team. Wow. That's huge. Yeah. He loves the Titans. He loves them. And what he says about them is he says, I like the Titans. I know I shouldn't because they screwed over Houston, but for some reason, I don't hold it against them. I want to see Marcus Mariota do well as a UO fan. Nashville is supposed to be a hopping city. Lovable underdog. Well, nothing to uh, misinterpret there. Yeah, nothing to misinterpret at all. Uh, that's a f- consistent ranking with comments. So, you know, kudos to you, Rob, for that. Uh, look, he loves the Titans. Doesn't really track with his previous hatred of teams that have moved because of his love for the Sonics and anger about them. But yeah. I'll allow it. You don't have to be consistent in your fandom. People, the heart wants what the heart wants. Yeah. Um, he loves the Titans, which means that I have to hate them. So I'm going to say three out of 10. All right. Three out of 10. Ouch. Rob, skunk in the team. Six. Is it a city you would enjoy visiting to go to a game? So the city, of course, is Nashville, Tennessee. The uh, Music City, USA, the heart of country music. And the number one place is the Grand Ole Opry, a Mm. weekly country music stage concert in Nashville, which was founded in 1925 by George Hay as a one-hour radio barn dance. So that sounds fun, I guess, if you like country music. Number two. I mean, that actually sounds terrible, but yeah. but (laughs) Joe, believe me, it's going to be more of that in here. Number two, Ryman Auditorium. A 2,400-seat live performance venue in the heart of Nashville, best known as the home of the Grand Ole Opry from 1943 to 1974. So, it's just... Really focus around the Grand Ole Opry. Number three, the Country Music Hall of Fame and Museum. The Hall of Fame is in Nashville. is one of the world's largest museums and research centers dedicated to the preservation and interpretation of American vernacular music. So I don't know what that is, but I think that's like a fancy name for country music, vernacular music. All right. Yeah, I mean, isn't all music that has words in it vernacular? Well, I think maybe they mean more like colloquial, right? That it's like the American vernacular. Oh, okay, I see. All it's right. not. It's not. Those aren't separate thoughts. It's not American vernacular music. It's American vernacular. Yeah, but music. isn't like rap music a form of American vernacular? I think they mean white American. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> I, th- think I, I think there's an implied white at the beginning of that. I man. see. I see. Yeah. Makes sense. They were in the Confederacy after all. So, all right. Number four, RCA Studio B. RCA Studio B is a recording studio in Nashville. Originally known as RCA Studios, it became famous in the 1960s for being part of what many refer to as the Nashville Sound. Yada, yada, yada. And number six, the Andrew Jackson Hermitage a Greek revival mansion, museum, and historic site where the uh, former president, Andrew Jackson, lived with all of his slaves. Uh, yeah, like Andrew Jackson was a piece of shit. So, yeah. Of course, Donald Trump's favorite president, the only <laughs> man, according to Donald Trump, who could have, who saw the Civil War coming and could have prevented it. He so. was really upset by what happened in the Civil War long after his death yeah 15 years after his death but he could have he could have stopped it you know a slaveholder from tennessee i'm sure was the uh 
the right person to stop the civil war from happening. Anyways, that's all. You know, if you like country music, boy, I think there's a lot to like here. If you don't like or vernacular music, if you don't like, well, white American vernacular, if you don't like it, you might, you know, and you're an Andrew Jackson fan. Yeah, I mean, you know, I sort of, well, you know me, I, I sort of am okay with like the Taylor Swift version of country music. And I think she lived in Nashville for a while. So I think there's kind of like, um, there's a version of the Nashville country music that I'm fine with. I don't know if, if like, if you go down there, I imagine it's a lot of country music purists down there. So maybe that's sort of frowned upon, but, um, it does seem like if you're going to Nashville, there's like a theme to your trip. I do have a good friend that lives in Nashville, so I probably would enjoy visiting it and I've never been, so I'd be interested in going maybe once, but I can't imagine going a lot to Nashville. Like, I feel like I would maybe go once in my life. Obviously, I'd catch a Titans game if I were a fan, but if part of the filter on this rating is, am I realistically ever going to go there? It's got to be pretty low in the ranking. So I feel like it's a fun place that I haven't been, that I probably would like to go, but probably only once. Let's give it a four out of 10. Four out of 10. All right. A lot of people who live around Nashville, I know, are going to be very upset with that. Because it, it, to, I mean, compared to like Indianapolis, though, I mean, yeah, granted, what, you did I get, wait, what did I give Indianapolis? Yeah, you gave them a one and a half. So it's a better score. But I think they would consider like Nashville to be like a super amazing fun city. Although, look, you have been pretty hard on a lot of these cities. Although you gave <laughs> Pittsburgh a six. Yeah, I was thinking about that later. That, 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 that six was too high. I think it's the only Pittsburgh rating that I had was too, that was too high, but we don't have to relitigate that. Yeah, it's over. Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh was going to be moving through no matter what because their score was really good. But yeah. that was probably too high. I don't want to look back at that for consistency's sake. But I will say, Nashville, I would love to go to Nashville. I'd love to go to Memphis. But I just don't think I would – like I have to realistically think about where I'd go. Yeah, yeah. All right, I think it's fair. Look, it's your ranking. Do whatever you want. Number seven, does the team have player or players you could put on your fantasy roster? Boy, thank you, Superfan Sean. I'm literally just reading exactly what he wrote. I've done no research of my own. So if he put in oh, some like just, fake stuff here, it's, it's just... Just sit back and relax, Dan. Yeah. The Titans are an up-and-coming team with a lot of potential. They look to be an offensive powerhouse, which will be great for fantasy. QB, Marcus Mariota. An up-and-coming Hawaiian quarterback. This guy has the looks and the athletic ability. He's the kind of guy you want to be your franchise QB, and he's going to put up the numbers. Last year, he was ranked yeah. number 13 in points at 259. I'm going to guess with his upgraded wide receiver core, these numbers will go up. If he falls late, he's worth investing in over Bortles, Tyrod, or Dalton. Still like Jameis Winston more. Wow, super fan Sean, a man after your own heart. But there you go. So look, he's giving the information and the analysis. What do you think, Joe? What? How do you like this? I love I love it. I also like that he's he's tossing in the the looks of the player because that, that that's important. That's important for me. You know that. You know I actually care about it. I, uh, I'm not even kidding. Um, that's just that's just quarterback. I got ways to go here. Uh, oh yeah, keep it going. No wide receiver. Real quick, I will just say about the quarterback. Real quick, that I do agree with him that I have an un reasonable dislike for Mariota because of my love for Jameis Winston. And I don't know, I shouldn't have to pick. I can like them both, but yeah, I feel like can. I have to pick wide receiver, Corey Davis, 
First round draft pick, this dude is fast. Unproven, but would be a great pickup in a dynasty league. Will fight for the number two spot most likely. Eric Decker. Big Dick Decker was just picked up after the Jets released him for no reason. He'll fight for the number one spot with Matthews. Only put up 40 points last year, but was hurt for the last 13 games. He averaged 13 points a game when he was playing, and with those shitty QBs, he's a decent wide receiver number two. Richard Matthews. Feel bad for this guy. He put up a very respectable 211 points last year, but this year he'll lose touches due to all the new wide receivers. He'll fit between Decker and Davis nicely. Another solid number two wide receiver. Tight end. Delaney Walker finished fifth last year for tight ends. Uh, Mariota loved him last year, but his touches might drop due to all the new targets. Running backs. DeMarco Murray finished fifth last year for running backs, but is Mm -hmm. getting older. And Henry is looking fantastic to take his place. He'll lose some carries to him this year in transition. Don't overspend. And the Henry is talking about is Derrick Henry, one of the better backup running backs to have. Put up 105 points last year as the second running back behind Murray. He'll compete for carries and will probably come out and will probably come at a discount. Good for PPR. I'd keep an eye on this guy. And Superfan Sean even gets into the kicker category, which I'm not going to read because who gives a shit about kickers? Dan, can you forward me that email? Because I feel like there's some actually some good fantasy advice in there that I might need. Yeah, no, you're going to have <laughs> I'm hoarding this for the draft. God damn it. Yeah, remind me to not invite Superfan Sean to our fantasy league. Yeah. Uh, because he will kill us all. He's a... Uh, yeah, Although no, he might the, he might try to take players that are all good looking. I might have the advantage of taking the ugly players. Yeah, but that's the lane that I like. I like to have a good <laughs> I like to have a well groomed team. Come on, Dan. Yeah. Uh yeah, look, I mean it seems like there's players here. Look, you could definitely have a strategy around taking Mariota and Decker and even this backup running back. And you could really like fill out a pretty decent team with Tennessee Titans, and that's but, all. But look, you know, I think I think his his descriptions are really bringing these players to life. But they're no powerhouses here. I mean, this no, is like no, it's no, not no. like Mariota. If he busts out, is going to be a top three. Like he's not going to be competing with Aaron Rodgers or anything. And these wide receivers, like they're you know they're no uh, Antonio well, obviously, Brown. Let's let's not let's not make those comparisons. But 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 Mariota is a guy that you're going to get for three to five dollars at QB in your fantasy auction and he's he's going to be a guy you can start every week. Yeah. He's going to be in that like squishy middle of quarterbacks. And maybe towards the higher end as he gets better. Look, Joe, you you are very good at strategically doing a draft and then losing the league, so you I'm just stick with whatever strategy's been working for you or not working for you. It's going to work eventually. <laughs> Uh, Ride Mariota straight into that, you know, sixth spot and losing in the first round of the playoffs. Oh, I should be so lucky some years. Yeah, I know Mariota is is a fine quarterback to have on your team. I think, you know, I think to your point, I think you're right. There, there are, there's not one superstar here, but I think to the point of this category, you could have a few players and feel pretty good about that. You you don't have your week in week out superstar, but you do have some players you can watch. Yeah. Let's say five out of 10. Five out of 10. All right. Yeah. I think it's actually very fair. If compared to the Steelers at a 10 out of 10 and the Colts at a six and a half out of 10, I mean, yeah. Yeah. I think it's fair. There are going to be a lot of Titans on a lot of teams and probably for good value. But, anyways, eight. Is the owner a monster? Okay. So, this, this is an interesting one. Well, I know our Houston fans had a lot of feedback on this when we recorded the Houston episode. Yeah. But here, this is where it's going to get interesting. So the owner that all those people are talking about is dead. 
and he's been dead for four years. So the former yeah. owner, Bud Adams, died of natural causes in Houston at age 90, wow. 2013. Those Houston fans really have no problem speaking ill of the dead because yeah. they were shitting on that guy. Now, as we'll get into when it comes to current owner, it's a bit more complicated. So I'm just going to talk a little bit about Bud Adams because he you know, did own the team for like 50-something years and did a lot of the stuff that people were upset with. But he's not the current owner. He is deceased. He is maybe owning a team in, you know, the NFL League in the Sky. But so first, Bud Adams was an enrolled member of the Cherokee Nation. Go Cherokee. Now, on to the whole moving thing. In the mid-90s, several NFL teams were building these new stadiums built with largely public funding. And they had these amenities such as club seating and other revenue streams that conveniently were not part of the default revenue sharing arrangements in the NFL. Oh, what a great deal. Get the public to build you a stadium with sections where the profit goes directly to you and doesn't have to be shared. Boy, that sounds like a good idea. So Bud Adams was like, "Uh, I want that. Houston, build me a stadium. And the mayor was like, uh, we upgraded the fucking Astrodome five years ago. No, we're not building you a fucking new stadium. And so Adams is like, all right, fuck you. I'm moving the team. And so he was like, hmm, Nashville had made a really generous offer to get an NHL team like a year before. So he was like, hey, Nashville, I know you really wanted to get that NHL team. That didn't work out. Wouldn't you want an NFL team? And of course, they were like, absolutely whatever they put it on the ballot it was a referendum passed with 57 percent which actually isn't that much but you know i guess it was a 50 50 thing so that was good so they're moving the team to nashville they build this new stadium was built with 71 percent public funding i think the public chipped in a little north of 200 million on the deal so when it's announced they're moving the team the opponents or the, like the people in Houston did everything possible to block the move. The biggest example was then House Majority Whip and I believe convicted felon Tom DeLay, mm-hmm. whose district included portions of Houston, introduced a bill in Congress banning the move. Unfortunately, the bill did not pass Congress. People sued but lost and the team was to move. However, the team wasn't going to move for two more years. But at the start of the 1996 season, The Houston fans were like, fuck this. They said that most of the games for that 1996 season were played in front of fewer than 20,000 fans, which looked even smaller because the Astrodome was so big and it was so empty. The crowds were so quiet that some of the few in attendance watching on television or listening on the radio could hear all of the action on the field, including play calling, collisions, and the players talking to one another. So... Adams, you know, the owner, the city, and uh, the NFL were unwilling to let this continue because it was, like, really embarrassing. So the uh, Astrodome was, like, they agreed to just uh, let the lease out one year early, and the team actually moved one year ahead of schedule because Houston was so, like, disgusted with them, which is, like, pretty cool for, uh, you know, the Houston fans really uh, not... Not I feel like the story it. of of the Titans leaving Houston is like a weird, like um, negative mirror image of the Chargers. We're like, okay, so if these are breakups, the Chargers breakup with San Diego was like after a ten years of a shitty relationship, they broke up in like a text where they just yeah. were gone one day and they 
like announced it that they never had like a big event. It was just like they were gone and they had a shitty logo and they're never playing another game in San Diego. No, no one even knew it was the last game. Yeah. Where, but his breakup with Houston was like a long protracted divorce where you're like fighting over the kids and the house. And like, you're like, are we still in this? Are we still actually married? This is ridiculous. Why do you still live here? (laughs) Right. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, that, but that explains a lot of the animosity that Houston fans have, but you're right. Good for them for, for, for not like going quietly. Now, interesting side note, you know, to your point about Dean Spanos, Bud Adams is widely given credit for sort of originating this idea of relocating a team in solely in the idea of finding another city, which will publicly finance something which increases the value of your franchise. Because if you look at an NFL team like a business, what Bud Adams did is brilliant. He was like, I can make this business make lots more money that the public essentially will pay for. All I have to do is move the team. Like, I just have to have all this, like, bitter animosity thrown my way from, like, one city. But I'm, it's the new city is just literally giving him hundreds of millions of dollars for right. that. So, right. And, um you know, obviously that's been done now to death, including what Chris spawned this podcast. But Bud Adams, you know, he sort of originated the idea of doing it. But what happened after his untimely, well, not untimely, he died at 90, but after his demise? Well, this is a this is a, a situation which the NFL is very upset with because he split the team in thirds. So he gave one third of it to one daughter, one third to another daughter, and split the remaining third over his three grandchildren or grandchildren in law. So the ownership of the team is one daughter owns 33%, the other one owns 33%, and three other people own 11% of the team. Ooh. And this is pissing the NFL off because the NFL wants to have one primary owner of the team, and there is no primary owner of the team. So the Amy Adams Strunk, one of his daughters, is like sort of the face and she's like gone to the meetings, but she still owns only one third of the team. And the NFL wants her to like buy up more ownership of the team. So she like is like a 51% owner or something or have some sort of documents written up. So it's like, even though she only owns a third of the team, whatever she does is like good. However, she's they're refusing to. She's like, no. This is the way the teams run. And like the NFL has fined them. The NFL was thinking about like suing them. And then they were thinking of suing the NFL back. And so it's a really contentious situation where they're the only team in the NFL, I guess, other than the Packers, where there's no real primary owner. And like there's no like legally primary owner. And you know, right now it's this Amy Adams Strunk character who is so little is known about her. She doesn't even have a Wikipedia page. But, um, you know, it, like if she gets in a fight with her sister, you know, Susie Adams Smith, the other sister who also wants she like she might become the primary owner in like next week. So it's um, it's a contentious issue with the ownership. So what I mean, I know nothing about any of the daughters other than what was written about on the uh you know, Titans webpage, which is just a bunch of bullshit about how they're great businesswomen. But I mean, at least for that, 66% of the team is owned by two women. So that's a uh, pretty rare in the NFL. Yeah. 
And I do sort of like the fact that um, it seems like they're on Roger Goodell's bad side, which is like, you know, yeah, sort definitely. of like my Rob ranking. It's like on my good side, right? I mean, it's been like multiple years with the NFL. They first find them like a six-figure fine in 2014 for this. And still, I mean, I read an article from like two months ago that was like, the Titans don't care. And then it said the NFL was considering suing them. And it said they were considering suing the NFL back and were, would like bring up the anti, uh, yeah, the like antitrust stuff. And the NFL sort of like backed down. So <laughs> they're definitely like, you know, Roger Goodell definitely fucking hates them. I guess I don't really know why they give a shit. I mean, if if they designate someone who's like the owner who has the voting rights at the owner's meeting, who cares? I mean, it's just funny. I mean, I mean I'm it, sure they, there's a reason for the it. The NFL's but. point is that the NFL rules specifically state that a team has to have like a, and like if you're selling a team, the NFL will only approve it if the the new bid has a thing where this person is the legally primary owner of the team. But of course, in the situation where the guy died and passed it on via will, like it's like the NFL, they can't approve or disprove it. Like it's, you know, it just happened. Like the ownership is split this way. And so it's just a, it's an interesting situation that the Titans are certainly the only team that has this other than of course the Packers, but the, you know, the Packers are different. I think more NFL owners should like bequeath teams in ways that fucks with the NFL. Um, the, uh, yeah, I mean, look, I guess it's unfair to punish the current owners for the choices that their father made, but it still seems like they're involved in running the business at some level. They must've been a part of that. That's a big negative. And the fact that like my whole reason for hating the Spanos family is this idea of extorting a city to try and get public funds. And they sort of invented that. I mean, this has to be a low score. I guess because it's not the person who did it, it's probably not fair to give them a zero, but the amount of hatred that still exists from Houston towards the Titans, I I just think it speaks volumes about how that community feels about it. So let's just say a one out of 10, one out of 10. Ouch. Get the one point for the fact that it's not the current ownership. Yeah. All right. It's fair. I mean, the the extortion thing is kind of bullshit. It, It betrayed a public trust. I think. Right, especially for Houston, a city that is so in love with football that the NFL wanted them to have a team there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. San Diego is not going to get a team anytime soon, or ever, yeah. probably. But Houston should have a team. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, there's nothing more to say that he was like, I can betray a public trust to make money, and I'm a businessman, so I'm going to do that. And uh, we'll actually get into that in a little bit in our next episode about the Bills and um, their their ownership situation. But anyways, uh, Titans, number nine, right? The uniform and the logo. So why are they the Titans? Well, after they relocated from Houston to Tennessee in 95, they played a couple seasons as the Tennessee Oilers. But, you know, that wasn't sitting well. So they had a contest to rename the team. Because there's no oil in Tennessee. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there might be. There's couldn't i don't know they'll get oil wherever it's uh, available but uh so the, you know there were some submissions at tennessee tornadoes at tennessee copperheads at tennessee wranglers but he picked bud adams picked the titans uh because it was reflected strength leadership and other heroic qualities so there you go tennessee titans i mean all those reasons they really picked the titans because they wanted alliteration 
Right. I mean, yeah. like, there's no other, there's no connection that a Titan has with the city of Tennessee, necessarily. Well, I said Tennessee tornadoes. That's alliteration, but, you know, that's another one of those natural yeah. disasters. Yeah. No, I think the tornadoes would have been cooler. The Titans, okay, so we're talking now about the category of, like, mythological beings. Yeah. So we have the New York Giants, the yeah. Tennessee Titans. Yeah. What else have we done? What else is mythological that we've talked about? That might be all of them. I think these are the only two mythological beings, period, for any NFL team. Yeah. And a Titan is essentially a giant. I mean, a Titan was a god, so I guess it's better than a giant. Yeah, well, one of those Titans is holding up the whole goddamn planet. That's a really big giant. All right. So a Titan would be the giant in a fight. Or like a Titan is a type of giant but one that is more powerful by default. Yeah, yeah. I think there's some just magical your average powers. run to the mill. Yeah, yeah. No, Titans were actual, like, gods, right, in Greek mythology. But okay. Yeah. Um, it's a pretty boring mascot. It's a pretty boring logo. It feels like, like, like you can tell it was a logo that was, like, developed in a more corporate era where it was, like, probably workshopped and focus grouped to death. I will say, as a Charger fan who feels like I'm going to have trouble rooting for the Chargers if I'm picking any other team. I do like that you kind of get some powder blue with the Titans. <laughs> so you sort of have, you, you you know, I'd have that through line of rooting for, an, for, for another team with powder blue in their logo. So I yeah. do, I do like the color scheme actually, but uh, that's, that's the only thing I really like about it. So let's say a five out of 10. Let's, right. let's say a six out of 10 for the powder blue, six out of 10. Yeah, six out of ten. Believe me, they need all the goddamn help they could get. So, you know, they're gonna make a comeback. Don't worry. Don't yeah. worry. Give them, give them generous scores. Okay, did they play a style of play you'd enjoy watching? In DVOA, they were the eleventh best team, ninth best in offense, twenty fourth best in defense. To our point about their style of play, this team was had the third lowest percentage of passing plays, and you know, by contrast, the third highest uh running plays per game they were just about 50 50 they ran the ball 47 percent of the time passed the ball 53 which as stated is very very run heavy for the nfl so you know they're a team that runs the ball a lot otherwise they're pretty you know middle of the road and everything they're not you know amazing in anything but you know they were whatever ninth best offense yeah i mean it's interesting the roto world thing that you talked about of um that they just sort of have boring play calling. I mean, it, it, it just sort of sounds like it's not, it might be efficient. I mean, ninth best is pretty darn efficient, but it might just not be the most exciting style of play. Yeah. I actually have a few more, little more stats here. So they have oh, yeah. the third highest, they have the third most rushing attempts per game. They And that converts to the third most running yards per game. So I guess that's pretty good. So at least it's not like they're, uh, you know, running into a, uh, like the wall every time, which would be, I mean, I was a fan of those Marty Schottenheimer charger teams. So it's not like I, I mean, I've rooted for teams before that have a like huge run first mentality. It's just that, that style of play, I will say is just a little bit frustrating in the modern NFL. Yeah. When you're like, yeah, but a short five yard pass would work so much better. 90% of the time. Yeah. Um, Well, maybe now they've got all these uh, new wide receivers. Wow. They might be mixing it up. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, let's just say a, a 5 out of 10 here. All right. Fair enough. Number 11, what's interesting about this fan base? I mean, other than the fact that the fans were willing to, you know, give up 
200 million dollars in public funding to get the team which is you know at least showed their commitment to it or at least the commitment of 57 percent of the people who live there uh but otherwise if you look at tv rankings they're about 20th if you look at that stupid fan study that i brought up in like the first 10 episodes they rank 20th in that too so you know they're not like uh super duper supportive of the team but and i guess we have the other data point before from the diabetic who who said they as they were being thrashed by the vikings it was not uh not a lot of fans in attendance yeah you think of tennessee as a football loving place well university of tennessee absolutely i mean that's insane right i mean it's interesting it's almost a little bit like what we talked about with los angeles with the chargers where it's like is USC and UCLA going to perpetually be the two more popular football teams compared to the Chargers? You know, I wonder where does, are the Titans even the most popular football team in their own city? Oh, I mean, the answer has to be no. I have no doubt the attendance at University of Tennessee games is probably bigger than the attendance at Titans games. I, I mean, I'll bet the number of fans is, is the the TV rankings, I'm sure, higher. Everything's higher. I've got to yeah, imagine. So I don't feel great about that. I don't feel yeah. great about rooting for the second favorite team in their own city. Yeah. Yeah. This is uh yeah, that's not good, Dan. That's not good. Let's say three and a half out of 10. All right. Your first half score where you really had to get the, uh, every little, every little bit. <sighs> Fucking motorcycles. All right. Anyways, finish us off, Joe, take us home. Number 12. What did you think about the old Jack and Coke with that Tennessee whiskey? I mean, what can be said about Jack and Pepsi that has not already been said? Well, I hope I hope you've got something. No, that's it. No, that's okay. it. Let's end the podcast right now. Uh, right. Dan, I mean, look at this. Done. See, look, look, I I drank it, I downed it. It was, uh, you know, gave me some much needed caffeine, which will I help mean, I've in seen the you Bills drink hundred Jack and Cokes. You seem to like them. I think that's a good drink for you in Vegas. Absolutely, it, it it's the right like the Jack and Coke is my version of the vodka red bull because it gives me a little yeah. bit of energy yeah gets me a little drunk it's a it, it's a great drink i've been looking forward to it all you know the last like month since we last recorded <laughs> it's good uh i'm gonna say nine out of ten. Nine out of ten. Oh, wow a much needed jolt of energy but unfortunately yeah. joe this is not looking good the final tally for the titans I mean, they're gonna. This is gonna require a miracle, Joe, because they are at fifty-four and a half, which puts them above the Colts, but below the New York Jets. So they are the Jets are at fifty-five and a half. Obviously, the third worst, the square no. These are above the Colts, which are only fifty-one and a half. Boy, you're really not liking this division, actually. Come to think of it, boy. All no, all knows so far to this division, and um, well, no, yeah. except for Houston. Houston moved on. Oh, oh shit! Sorry, I was thinking the Buccaneers were in the division. Anyways, uh, yeah, there you go. Fifty-four and a half. This would make them the third worst team, and uh, the highest maybe is sixty-two, which is, and those are like even joke maybes. The highest real maybe is sixty-eight. Yeah, I mean, I don't, unfortunately, I don't see a Music City Miracle. Dan, do you remember the Music City Miracle? Yeah. I remember I watching, watching that game live. Yeah. And I remember it was uh, the, the the tight end, uh, Frank Wycheck. remember? And he I don't had remember that, the like, name. I just remember the play. 
that like passed it. Like you still have to look at where the guy's foot was to see if it was actually backwards or not. Oh, what an exciting play. Yeah, that was fun. Thank God there wasn't review back then. It kind of would have ruined that play. Uh, I don't think it would have ruined it. I think it would have been, I, I mean, it, after the play's done, in the certainly in the modern NFL, there's always an additional drama where you like see a play happen and they rule a touchdown. And you're like, oh, I want to see the replay. Was that actually a touchdown? But see, I don't think it's additional drama. I think, I mean, look, let's just pause to say I like instant replay more than I don't like instant replay. I'm glad it's there. However, I think that actually there's more drama in watching something and knowing if there wasn't a flag or a whistle, that thing just happened. No matter what, that happened. And you can freak out in that moment where now there's always like the hedge of like, I think that happened. That was really, oh, wait, oh, oh hold on. They're going to review. Oh, oh, oh yeah, it did happen. But like, w- by the time the confirmation comes, it's not as exciting as that moment of watching it and knowing that that thing is happening. I just, I have to say, I mean, I, I might, my brain might be so programmed the other way to believe it. But like when I see an amazing play happen that I know is like close enough to go to replay, 80% of my body and my like emotion is like into the play, but I reserve 20% of it. And then when you see that first replay, because whenever those plays happen, it's so close and you like see the slow motion of the feet going in and you're like, oh my God, how did he do that? And I, I to your point though, I don't like the ones that are like 50-50. That one, that takes away from it. I hate that where it's like, oh, right. they could really go either way. And then it's just like, you're waiting for the ref to like flip a coin so that I would rather they do it. But the ones where it's like 100% confirmed, I-, I love those. I feel like the 80% rooting that you have where you're still reserving that 20% that's like, I wonder if this is going to count or not. Like just the emotional feeling is always better when you can just be 100% invested. Well, you know what? In I shouldn't happening. say 80%. I give a hundred percent, and then I give an extra. It's a hundred twenty percent enjoyment. Oh, I see. I see so the twenty so percent that you're reserving so just it's like, extra it's, enjoyment. It's like additive. Because I, I love <laughs> I seeing the replay. Like, because to me, I always hated in the past, and this happens with baseball all the time. When it's like they make an amazing play, and then it's like they show the replay, and it's like, oh, it wasn't that amazing play. Like it would take away from me if somebody scores an amazing touchdown, and then it's like, oh, that wasn't a touchdown. That to me is like very hollow, but it's like when it is ruled a touchdown, it's like, oh my God, that actually was a touchdown. So that's, I like that. Well, well to me, I mean, look, I mean, the reason why I support instant replay is that for, for all the trade-off of excitement, the frustration of the one time that your team is screwed on a play where you're like, if they, if the refs could just watch it again, they would yeah. fix it, like is worth giving up that little bit of excitement. But, uh, you know, I... I think that um, it does take away something from the game. Anyway, that's a digression. We're talking too much about football, Dan. Music City Miracle, not going to save the Titans. Unfortunately, we're going to have to leave them here. And the Titans will be forgotten. Ugh, so sad. Unless they come back (laughs) as the zombie Titans. The Titans will be forgotten. Yeah. John, I'm I'm, I'm nailing them. I'm nailing them. But anyways, okay. Moving right along. Thank you, everybody. If you listen this far, I will give the juicy contact information. Uh, if you want to be one of the like 4,000 people that email in for the next episode, go to joepixpod.com. Send your email to nfl at joepixpod.com, which is also on that website. And if you're a VIP super fan, you know where to go. Use the uh, special VIP email address. So uh, there we go. All right. See you, Joe. Thanks, Dan. Thanks, Dan.